Are you a HubSpot user looking to stay up to date with HubSpot inbound and all the information that will make your job easier and help you and your company grow better? Each week, the spot brings you the HubSpot education, ideas, and tools that you need to maximize your success, make work just a little bit easier, and of course, brighten your day along the way. Listen in as Julie, Doug, Max, and George share their authentic, entertaining, and valuable conversations with the people who really matter. That's right, you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for your HubSpot journey heroes. Welcome to this week's episode of The Spot. Ready, spot, go. All right, folks, we're back. And in this episode, we're going to talk about customer retention, Sprocket Talk 2.0, inbound 2020 interviews, and of course, converting more leads. But more importantly, you know what we should talk about right now, this very moment, team? Julie has a hat on. Julie yes. is especially uh, part of the bro squad with the hats <laughs> on the spot. It's amazing. It's amazing. I did it. You did and you look it. good, Julie. You look good. Thank you. I ha- I've been told I have a good head for hats. Yeah, well, there you go. Like so Apparently you not flat brim hats, according to you. No, my face is too small for a flat brim. See, I can't really it's do just... flat brim either. Like, it takes I, guts. It takes guts for a flat brim. No, I got it. I just, yeah, I'm with Julie on this one. I'm with Julie on this one. So let's go ahead and get into the good stuff, guys. First of all, there's a new little section we're calling Spot That News because there's some things that we want to talk about as Doug flattens this bill. He's like, let me let me do this throughout the show. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, big news, Sprocket Talk 2.0 launched uh, earlier this week. The reason that I'm telling you as a viewer uh, or listener, and this really is more for the listeners who are listening to the podcast, on their audio device on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Yes, we're on all those places. I'm telling you this because if you go to Sprocket Talk 2.0 and in the main menu, there's shows and under shows, there's the spot. And you can go and watch the video version of this as well as I've not told many people this. I leave other secrets, tips, little things in the show notes that we might not talk about during the episode. So you've got the things that we talk about but then there's other things that I'm putting there just because, well, I want to, that's why. The other thing that I'll let you know is that we have been doing inbound speaks interviews because that's right, it's inbound 2020. By the way, team, who is excited about inbound 2020 this year? Me. Yeah? I'm pumped. Yeah? I'm, I'm excited, but it's a different, it's a weird excited. So it's talk virtual, to me about that. I'm virtually that, excited. I'm, I'm virtually excited. So talk to me about that because it's something that I've been trying to unpack myself as somebody who has been going to inbound since 2012 uh, mm. and now doing it here in my office. Like talk, talk to me about digitally excited, Doug. Well, you know, I'm I'm a huge um, I'm a huge fan of ritual, and I, and, I, and I think we, you know, especially with celebrations and and things that matters, there are rituals behind it. And and one of the elements of a conference is there is a ritual that you pack up and go to, you plan for, you think about it, you clear time, you you have all these things that that kind of anchor it. And and I actually think the biggest thing that's happened in in this no travel world. And why everything feels so compressed is even if you didn't travel a lot, every time you left, it kind of created a chapter. It was like a, a marker that you could, um, you know, it just kind of broke up things, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, um, you know, usually I have to know when the 
the the conference is. By the way, it's going to be very sad next week um, because next week is the week it was supposed to be. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's like I know, like it, you know, when you say, "Are you excited for Inbound 2020?" My immediate answer is yes. I'm always looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to see some of the adjustments that they're making and, and how that plays because I know they're really. Um, trying to do some some cool things, but I almost also then like right after I say yeah I'm excited I go wait when when is it, um, it you know in, in in terms of time and so it's uh, um, it's interesting and we're just beginning to talk about it with 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 my team and and usually we're excited because we're, we're you know we're distributed so that's a time that we're all going to get together um, and uh, so so it's yeah it's I mean I'm excited but it, it's different so yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And here's the thing. There's 38 days at eight hours, 50 minutes and 56 seconds before the actual inbound kicks in, just so we know. But Julie, talk to me about like, what are your thoughts with this kind of change of digital inbound, not getting together with team members? Talk me through that. Yeah, so um, I was really looking forward to in-person inbound this year because it would be the first year where I wasn't working a booth in inbound in quite a while. Um, the last, I think, three that I attended, I was at a booth talking to people, which is always great, right? Just talk to people about marketing and HubSpot and the people who've seen it all and the people who are brand new and it's a fun experience. Uh, but it means you spend a little bit less time learning and developing and networking yourself, right? Because you're representing a brand, so to speak. So mm -hmm. um, I was looking forward to not doing that and experiencing the attendee version of Inbound again. Um, obviously, we're having a new attendee version of it, which is pretty cool, too. Um, and I'm actually excited for all of the people who are able to now attend because Inbound is a virtual event who normally wouldn't be able to get the time, couldn't afford the hotel yeah. room, wouldn't have the budget, uh, work to go, right? It's opened up a lot of opportunities. And even just for my team at Impulse Creative, right? Normally, we may not be able to send everyone. Right, so we might have a select number of team members going and sharing notes and covering each other's um, sessions and things like that. But now, as many people, it's so much more. Um, what's the word? Um, affordable, yes, but also accessible. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. I think that's going to move I, the needle for a lot of people. I, I might actually see a session this year. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think yeah. I don't think I've left. I don't think I've been out of Club Inbound in the last three inbounds, and I have not yeah, been at a booth. That's, and I haven't been at a booth. Yeah, that's right. the thing. The thing I'll miss the most, by the way, is the hallway moments. Like, they're, yeah. like I, I don't give a crap about going out to my hallway. I'm going to see my wife and my kids. Like, so I'll be in sessions the entire time. By the way, sessions will be happening September 22nd through the 23rd. That's when it is. But, but Max, like, give me your, like, are you excited about the 22nd, 23rd? Like, what, what, yeah. what do those days look like for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm honestly, I mean, I, I'm not going to have to be doing any like volunteering like down there. Right. So my, my commute is now, uh, you know, not going to be part of my inbound experience, which I'm, I'm super pumped about because, you know, going there every single day, like I live outside of the city and like, you know, the MBTA is reliable is not really the word I would ever use to, to, or functioning is not, it doesn't come to mind. Um, you know, but I think just like Julie said, like, it's more, it's going to be more accessible than it's ever been before, which is great. And, you know, the, the biggest part for me that I think I'll miss about it is, you know, getting to see all the friends I've made over the years in the customer base, right? Like that's where, you know, I, I had 90 days with customers to like, 
get to know them and forge these great friendships that have that have even lasted like years after I was, you know, working directly with customers. And, you know, inbound was always that time where I got to see all like the really successful ones that really stuck with it and are having a good time with inbound and even some that ended up coming doing like talks, which was like super cool. So I'll definitely like miss that little piece of it. But it, you know, I, I never really looked at it from the same perspective that Julie just had where it's like now everyone can go and experience it. I think that's going to be super cool because it's inbound for everyone now, you know, not just the people who can afford to get out there, afford to take time off work, you know, the people who can make that time in their schedule, right? Um, so it'll be cool. I'm really excited to see what they put together. It's going to be super fun. That should yeah. be I'm going to have to buy socks this year. Oh, oh yeah. No free socks. Yeah. I got like four pairs of socks last year, Julie. I'm going to run out of pens, pens, stickers. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. Patches. You know, that, yeah. Here, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, it, what blew my mind is it's the 22nd and 23rd. I'm used to inbound being like three, four. If you put in partner day, me like five days, like you travel it. So it's two days. If that's not enough inbound for you, then you should check out what we're doing. We've got inbound speaks interviews that started today. Uh, we've actually interviewed uh, Teresa Heath Waring, Will Smith, Jason Falls, and Andrea Cruz today. And that will be releasing on sprockettalk.com. Again, those interviews, inbound interviews, where we give you little lessons on the way to inbound September 22nd and 23rd. Okay, it's time to go into our next section, which ladies and gentlemen, we all know is, mmm, that hit the spot. So this week, Max brought us an article. Max, talk to us about where your mind went with service, with yeah. customer retention. Talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I pulled up this article here. You'll probably be able to find it in the, in the show notes that we have. Um, no surprise, it's from the HubSpot service blog. Um, but it's called, Here's Why Customer Retention is So Important for ROI, Customer Loyalty, Business, and Growth. Um, and this article has a lot of really cool stuff in it, right? So it kind of breaks down a lot of the numbers, a lot of the why, a lot of like the hard data around like why it's important to take care of your customers, why it's important to retain them. Um, I think a lot of folks, especially businesses I've dealt with in the past kind of view and like hopefully this, this outlook on this has evolved since I've worked with them, but um, they kind of view the whole idea of like providing customer service sort of like as an afterthought, right? Once we really nail down the, the marketing and, and sales and things like that, and hopefully that'll keep us afloat for a long time, then we'll start to maybe think about, you know, how we're taking care of our customers or being there for them when they need us the most. But, you know, um, those were always like kind of tough conversations for me to have, especially when, you know, service hubs started getting molded into the picture and our conversations moved away from not just marketing and sales, but, actually having thoughtful conversations around why it's important to provide great customer service, right? A lot of people, I think, kind of look at it sort of as like, oh, it's sort of like a kumbaya thing or like, yeah, sure, you want to take care of your customers. We all we all want to say that. We all do that. We all have great customer service, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, it's it's it really hasn't been a super big priority for a lot of the businesses that have worked in the past. And I think it's 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 kind of wild, right? So if you take a look at this article, um, it lays it out pretty nicely. They have kind of a section at the beginning where they define like what customer retention actually is if you're, you're unfamiliar with like the literal explanation of it. Um, they even give you some tools on how to like calculate like your retention rate, things like that. They give you some, like a lot of great pointers on why it's actually important, why you should be paying attention to this, uh, some benchmarks by industry and a bunch of different strategies. And it links to a ton of other articles on the, um, the service blog. So it's definitely worth checking out. But 
the, the, the big sort of thing like I want to hear about from everybody is kind of how you've gone about these conversations in the past with other companies or clients that you've worked with. Because the way that I always kind of approach it is like, I love using HubSpot's motto of this whole idea of solve for the customer, right? And they, they kind of live by that, that mantra and it's, and it's true and it's real and everyone kind of breathes it there. So I like, I love using that as an example, but you know, what I've noticed is like a lot of businesses, when they hear that idea of solve for the customer, they kind of tack on their own little kind of premonition at the end of it, where it's like you solve for the customer, at the expense of the business. But in reality, you solve for your business by solving for the customer. That happens in a number of different ways, um, you know, through adding value in different parts of the customer journey. And there's like a lot of, I think, tactics that go behind it that make it a really important thing to think about just as much as your sales and marketing strategies and kind of what you're doing there. So I just wanted to kind of open it up and, and get thoughts from everybody else on, you know, where your mind goes when you think of helping a business shift their mindset away from customer service or even support or however you want to think about it being an afterthought versus being an actual like significant part of your strategy right alongside sales and marketing. So I can tell you one thing I love watching Doug think because like I was wondering if he was even breathing there for a second. He was like super still and I was like <laughs> is my is my dude okay? But as far as as far as the article uh, goes, Julie, Doug, I know I have some thoughts, but what are your thoughts as far as this article goes? I can kick us off, I suppose. Um so I thought that, Max, your take on this was really interesting, and I had to almost remind myself for a minute that organizations are still thinking of customer service as a cost center versus a business builder, because my life for a very long time, for probably most, if not all of my career, has been in businesses with a service component. And now, as much as I'm here, on the spot representing marketing, my job really is a client services role, right? So I don't separate client services from business anymore. It just is part of it. But then I was thinking back on some of the conversation that we had had last week around content marketing and blogging and blog length and all those things. And solving for the customer can be as simple as asking yourself when you write a blog post, do my customers care about this? And if the answer is no, then you should ask yourself why you're writing that blog. And if it's, my customers don't care about this because they've already learned this from me and that's why they're customers, mm -hmm. then that's great content to still write. If the answer is, my customers don't care about this because I'm writing this for a keyword, then you're truly not solving for the customer by yep. definition. And maybe you should rethink your angle on the content that you're producing, right? So your customer should be the powerhouse of your marketing and your sales, your information source, and your, um, you know, a big driver of that strategy, not the bottom of the picture kind of off to the side. Yeah. Um, and then when you're thinking about service, right? Why do people continue to buy? Well, in um, an organization like an agency, if you don't, serve, you don't get renewals and your clients go away and then you have to find more with a bad reputation. And if you're um, not necessarily providing service by definition, you could have a product. I have a friend who um, works for um, a, an organization that educates accountants 
Mm -hmm. And they know, because they are um, a licensing organization, they know their entire world. They know everyone that they're trying to reach. They're licensed, they have a list, they pay dues, but they're selling them additional educational products. And their members have a whole choice of vendors that they can buy from. So they have to think and position themselves as, why would you buy from us instead of them? Because you're buying from someone either way. You have to do CEUs. You need this coursework. We already know who you are. We're not attracting you through marketing. So what do we do? How do we differentiate ourselves? And service has to come into the picture there. You can't not do it. Mm -mm. So I work with uh, multinational companies that have, you know, the manufacturing and distribution space. And uh, I, I, solve an issue that takes place on the distribution floor, right? So I'm working with, you know, multi-billion dollar plus companies, multiple divisions within them. Are, are you guys saying that my customer should be the powerhouse of my marketing and my customer acquisition strategy? That's a long bit of silence <laughs> right there. I'm trying to step, that, step that back for me, Doug. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what do you mean to step back? Get, I think I need you to break down the question again. Like, well, you, are, you, 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 are you asking you as Doug, your customer, or your yeah, I'm, I'm, customer's customer? I'm, I'm, I'm just being a mythical business because sometimes we forget that there are companies that are outside of SaaS and professional services. It happens. Mm -hmm. They do exist. Uh, sorry, couldn't help it. Um, so I'm just playing a mythical customer that I, you know, I sell to Johnson and Johnson, Mercedes, Dollar General, um, and I provide. You know, I solve a, a a critical piece in in the supply chain, but it's a very small piece. It happens yep. on the manufacturing floor or on the distribution floor. Um, is my customer the supposed to be the powerhouse of my sales and marketing and customer acquisition strategy. Would they be the powerhouse? I'm not sure. Um, but you know what I say, I mean, what I want to think about like, Hey, there's probably going to be a lot of different things that could possibly go wrong with whatever it is that you're solving for or whatever like solution that you're delivering them. Are there going to be people at your company that those people interface with? And you know, you know, they are all human at the end of the day, right? And is there going to be value in like making sure that they have a good experience working with you and with your product? Absolutely. Like, even from like a retention perspective, if they're not going to go out there and be, you know, they're not going to go on social media on their personal social media and tell people about how awesome that your specific, you know, tooling or whatever it does for that part of their supply chain, you know, does wonders for their job. They have other people in that industry that they work with that may have similar, you know, things that they're doing that they can speak either positively or negatively about based on that situation. And, you know, so I would think, would it be the, the, the powerhouse that's going to drive the entire thing? Probably not, but could it be make or break with new relationships that you're, you're building within that space? And I'm sure it could, depending on the experience that they have with you. Julie? So I think when I say powerhouse, I don't necessarily mean exclusively in like the idea of customer driven content and reviews and referrals and things like that. I mean, 
at some point, right, you're selling into Johnson and Johnson and you're selling to someone, I don't know, maybe in procurement, in supply chain, probably a very complex buying and decision-making process at an organization like that. And you have to reach those people. And when you have customers, you still need to be on the radar to some extent of those same people at other like organizations. And then you have your users, right? It seems like this is a situation where you have buyer personas and potentially user personas. Sure. Right. Someone, the person on the floor using the product is not necessarily your buyer, mm -hmm. but your buyer at somewhere in that buying process cares about how that user feels about this part of their day and this problem being solved. And if you're not marketing and selling to all of that, that actual real world application, yeah, I don't know what you'd be marketing towards. George, what do you think? So it's interesting because I know that you're trying to get us somewhere. Like I know you're already like three steps into what you think. And and I, I honestly feel like you're, um, there's this perceived thing of like, it just is what it is and that's what it should be. And it's the inbound way. And there's this thing that I love about you, Doug, where it's like, um, just because somebody says it's supposed to be that way doesn't mean that it's supposed to be that way. So I agree with what Julie's saying as far as like, <clears throat> at some level, like there's this core piece, it is the thing that you do. And there are these humans that wrap around it and have to attach to it and have to understand it. And so if we're looking at this from a powerhouse, from a content uh, standpoint and content actually leaning into education, I think that educating the people who are around the product or service that you sell can be the powerhouse. However, do I feel like we're sitting here and saying that you have to do the inbound sales service marketing methodology content strategy that would work for a SaaS company? Because by the way, you leaned into that. Uh, do I feel like we would do it in a way that you would do it for an agency? Because you're kind of leaning into that. No, I think it's different. I think there's a twist. But I do mm -hmm. think that it comes back to that if you educate and serve the humans that are wrapped around the product and service that you sell or provide, that yes, that is going to be a powerhouse for your company. Now, go ahead. Get your wet so, noodle out. Give me my 20 lashings because I knew it was coming as soon as I opened it. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with anything that you, that, that you guys say. You guys said, I, I will point out that what you guys said was far more tempered than what was initially said. It's far more tempered than what the article said. And it's far more tempered when you see somebody up on the stage and they talk about customer experience, et cetera. So, so first off, yeah, retention matters. Though I'll tell you, if you're retaining 100% of your customers, you're probably not growing well. You're probably not mm -hmm. stretching yourself, mm -hmm. right? So, so we fall into this gap of, of um, you know, if, if, if some is good, more must be better. Um, I think we forget that people are actually relatively, like the, the equation for what people want is relatively simple, right? I call it the four seasons experience. This is the definition of the four seasons experience, right? People want what they want, when they want it, preferably without having to ask. They want no more and they want no less. And the four seasons gives a great experience but you know who else used to give a really great experience? Walmart. 
Mm. Walmart gave a Four Seasons experience. Um, the president of Walmart's grocery division more than a decade ago was at a business conference and he asked the question. He said, I'm curious, how many of you here live paycheck to paycheck? And surprisingly, no one raised their hand at this conference. And he said, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say, but we don't really care whether you come into our grocery store or not, because we don't exist for you. We exist for the person who lives paycheck to paycheck, who, which that used to be Walmart's customer. So we exist for the people who live paycheck to paycheck. And so if you come into our grocery store, we have the $8 um, frozen pizza, but where we really spend our time is to find that 50 cent pizza that still has good taste. Now, I hate Walmart. I can tell you I've never physically stepped in a Walmart, right? Walmart didn't worry about me and Walmart didn't try to exceed their customers' expectations. By the way, the worst thing that you can do from a business perspective is strive to exceed customer expectations for three reasons. Number one, it's really expensive. Number two, it's not sustainable because you create the expectation of exceeding expectations. And I ask you, how can you exceed my expectation that you're gonna exceed my expectation? Right? And that's why you see real hot burning love you know, they, they come in hot, they go out flaming. And here's the other interesting thing. If you look at the actual data of spending patterns, you'll find that CSAT scores don't have a lot to do with whether or not people, very satisfied people go elsewhere and dissatisfied people stay. But you, you know what the number one component, and actually NPS doesn't even give you the prediction. Here's the number one thing that is now the, the key determinant of um, of loyalty and retention was the company easy to deal with as, as a matter of fact and here's here's a crazy thought for everybody stop trying to deliver customer service and start trying to figure out how to not need it mm. because what the research shows is every customer service interaction increases the likelihood of losing the customer the only thing we do with customer service and customer engagement i'm not saying it's not important right? But the only thing we can do is hurt it. Now, if who are the companies that, that, that deliver great word of mouth? They, they deliver on an expectation. Starbucks delivers a unique experience for the people who want a unique experience, right? Because if you're a Dunkin' Donuts coffee person, you can't stand Starbucks, right? And vice versa. So like the, the only thing, like I am all for, I, I'm, my only concern about solve for the customer is I, I think it's become, it's, it's getting really close to being a platitude. What does that mean? And, and look, I am, the, I, I preach solve for the customer. I think I, I think that was one of my um, um, gospels on, on, on the last spot. Um, but, but that's got to mean something. And, and, and here's where I come from. I, to me, it's really simple. It's win, win, or no deal. I'm solving for the customer and I'm solving for the business. And, and Max, where I'll disagree with you you know what? Sometimes solving for the customer is at the expense of the business. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I got to say, you know what? That's not what we're here for. And I see a lot of mid-market businesses get in trouble because they're so focused on delighting before they know it, they can't deliver a consistent experience. That, by the way, that's the second thing. The thing that makes you really easy to deal with is when you're really consistent. I would say strive for consistency giving your customer what you want, you know, what they want, when they want it, 
meet their expectations, you'll be in the top 2%. That's interesting yeah. because I think this totally ties into like knowing who you're for and knowing who you're not yeah. for. And a lot of companies don't want to focus yes. on who we're not for. Like, like service wouldn't have to deal with this, Doug, if sales in the front end would actually maybe think about like, we should not sell this. This well, is going to be a train wreck at the back end of this. Sir, 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 service starts at the very first touch point. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like when, when, when I tell, when I, when I talk about the, the whole idea of solve for the customer, with new hires, like I'll tell them saying yes all of the time to everything is not solving for the customer. You have to be okay saying no. You have to be okay telling them when they're making poor decisions because if you just say yes to everything and take everything at face value and just say, yeah, customer wants what the customer wants and we'll just kind of go with that and we're gonna be scared to push back. We're gonna be you know, uh, uh, timid to put our own you know, ideas and thoughts and suggestions in there. Like that's, that's when we stop solving for them and we just kind of just say yes to everything. But the other thing that you had mentioned too, how, you know, try to do as much as you can to avoid any sort of like human to human interaction. Uh, we, we talk about this whole idea of like help customers help themselves, right? And, you know, we, we specifically bring that up when we're talking about like, why would you build a knowledge base? Why would you, you know, create all these resources so your customers can figure out problems on their own? I mean, it really makes a lot of sense because you have to think about why inbound works in the first place, right? When you're presented with some sort of problem that you have, you go out on the internet or on Google or ask Jeeves or whatever it is, and you try to find a way to solve that specific problem that you have. Just because someone becomes a customer of yours doesn't mean that natural inclination that we all have to self-solve magically disappears right? Think about the last time you had a problem with your iPhone. Did you immediately get on the phone and call Apple Care? No, you probably Google it to figure it out on your own because you didn't want to talk to anybody, right? Um, so I think there's a lot in there in terms of like helping them help themselves and, and get to a solve quickly without having to go through the rigmarole of waiting on hold, filing a ticket, getting on chat and talking to another person so they can kind of move on with their day. I think that's huge too. Yeah, it's almost like Doug said, like, work on not needing it. Julie, it looked like you were like wanting to put some some input in here. Yeah, I think there there's some validity in this and there's some not. Um, so for example, I probably spent the first um, two years that I used HubSpot. Uh, I called support a lot. It was also a different time. The HubSpot methodology at that point in time was the, um, the OG pillar page as I've described it in the past. There weren't knowledge-based articles. There was not live chat. Um, it was even before the time of the log me in code where you could screen share with someone. Um, and I spent many calls where you'd start the call and say, okay, here are the five things that I did before I called you. Um, this is a problem. We need to fix it. And in those situations, when a rep tried to help me help myself, that was very frustrating because the information was not there to help me help myself, right? And a lot of times, yeah. Can I ask you a question on, on um, we get to talk for real about HubSpot on this show, right, right George? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, did, did you like calling HubSpot support more or less five years ago to today? Which experience would you say was Ooh. better? Five years ago to today, I think it's the same. Uh, 2011 versus today, it was better in 2011. 
I would even give 2012 half of 2013 was better. Yeah. No, oh, I think it's okay. Well, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I would say easily five years ago, it was, see, and, and I, and here's where I would say that, that, and I think HubSpot did a great job of their help desk um, being a, a point of differentiator because calling HubSpot's help desk was the easiest thing to do. Um, and because nine times out of 10, they would take the problem for you. They would say, here, let me grab it. I'm going to work on it and I'll get back to you. And you're like, what? I, I was just hoping you would help me work through. You mean you're going to, you're going to fix that for me? Oh, uh, you know, right. And, and now it's more, it's become a little bit, and I get it because it's hard to, you know, to scale that up. And now you get the, well, um, you know, it, you can tell it's more script based, you know, all, all, all those things come in. The, the reason I brought this up is I, I'll bet that the, underlying why you enjoy like why you found it better before is it was easy to deal with and and so where i think you're getting at here too is which i would caution max on is just because i can do it myself doesn't mean that's the easy way to do it right mm -hmm. um so so i was just i just wanted to like that that whole thing of how do we make it easy for people to work with us yeah, yeah i also think from a service standpoint doug that kind of original hubspot support so they weren't always easy to deal with. I once had a support rep have me make a change when the um, the new, oh gosh, I'm going to call it, <laughs> the new landing pages editor was in beta, which is like four iterations of the landing pages tool ago. Um, but it was that first, uh, like HubSpot 3, I don't even remember what it was called at the time, um, but it was like the first version of what HubSpot looks like today was being put into beta where forms became a thing and templates actually existed and stuff like that. Um, convinced me to make some changes in the beta for my pages. And it was the day of our company holiday party. And the support rep was like, yeah, you could just switch that. It's fine. Everything will be great. All your pages will go over to that template. I did it and all of my landing page and thank you page content got deleted. Yeah, that happened to me too. Yeah. So that was me at four o'clock day a of the holiday party. Flex columns problem. It was the it was not a good day, um, but there was such a high level of ownership yeah. by that rep. That's really what I think made the experience for me and why I remember it is not that the rep was like, oh, yeah, that could happen sometimes. Sorry, you shouldn't have done yeah. that. They went back and they restored backups and like didn't know if they could do it and figured it out. Like, I don't know if that level of ownership would happen today with HubSpot report, mm -hmm. uh, HubSpot support. I might get more of the answer of, oh, that can happen sometimes. Right now, of course, the tool has revision history and things like that today. So we've built but in I'm some no, no, checkboxes and fail saves. But yeah, it's not the same. It, it's not quite the same experience when I call HubSpot support in the last three years, huh. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, it's funny because I, I love watching all of you during the show, and and anybody who's not watching the episodes, they're listening. They should they should really watch because <clears throat> one of the things that our boy Max Cohen said is he said I can't wait to like understand the partner relationship and like get it you know really understand this side of things. <clears throat> and as we're having a true Doug conversation about HubSpot, I'm watching Max's face, and it's literally like. Oh God, what, <laughs> what am I, what am I doing here? Like, why am I here right Not now? Not at all. Which, which is fun though, which is fun because it, it's literally like this window of like, 
Oh, okay, interesting. So it's it's fun to like watch this. Now I'm gonna circle but this. I, I want to say something on that though, be, right, because right. It, it it gets to this point of where we we always have a tendency to talk to extremes, because extremes help to learn. Mm -hmm. right? But HubSpot's not the same business that it was three years ago, which wasn't the same business as it was six years ago. If HubSpot tried to give the same support experience. So HubSpot has gotten a whole lot better on self-serve. Now, the problem that you and I have, Julie, is that when we need help, we're not, it's not surface help, right? So, so that, that, that's where it gets a little bit, you know, gets a little bit frustrating for us and, and we remember the good old days. But, but, but my point is, yeah, HubSpot support, it, it's still exceptional comparatively, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same support. And, and I know for a while they tried to keep it that way. And I think someone in there finally realized, yeah, I guess we can't. And, and, and my whole point of this is you're always making a trade-off, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's the danger. If you go too far over here, there's a cost to it. That, that's why I say if you have zero um, loss, if you have zero churn, you are spending way too much money on retention you are losing money on retention. It's the physics of business. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and by the way, I'm here, I'm here just loving this because like, uh, Hey, this is, this is feedback. I get to take back to my, you know, support traders that I work with very closely. Right. So I love this. There you go. You know what? There you go. Sometimes customers are okay with being upset and frustrated with you for yeah. a moment. Yeah. yeah. That's part of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot well, runs on feedback. Can you believe Positive that friction? Oh, <laughs> is that another? That's probably a different episode. That's probably a different that episode. Definitely, you know, Julie. Episode. I have a thought about that. <laughs> well, I have so many thoughts about that, Doug. I have so many thoughts. Then that's probably three episodes. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> can you believe that we've actually spent the entire time talking about service and customer retention and if it should be the powerhouse or not. It's amazing. Hey, here's the deal. As we kind of close out, make sure you go and check out the show notes. Again, there will be secret tips, additional pieces there. Uh, Max, Doug, Julie, any porting words as we send folks back to their regularly scheduled day? I don't understand how all of you wear hats all the time. I feel like my head is melting off of my body. Where does the air escape? And I don't even have a solid hat. I'm wearing a trucker hat. This is so sweaty. Central air conditioning, one. And two, that right there? if you saw my hair, you would understand <laughs> why I wear the hat all the time. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Doug? I, I don't think I can give any greater take-home value than that. Yeah, that's it. All right, make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Let us know what you think in your favorite podcast app with a review or email us directly. You can hit me up, George at impulsecreative.com, or you can hit any of us up on the Twitters. Julie is at RealJulieD. Doug is Doug Davidoff. Max is Max Jacob Cohen. I'll always say that from here on out. And of course, I'm George B. Thomas. Make sure you use the hashtag, hashtag SprocketTalk or hashtag the Spot Podcast if you'd like. Julie. Did you see in the show notes that I said secret question? But I, did. I didn't really say it. So here's the thing. What's one thing that any marketer listening to the show should do between now and the next episode? Mm. Check Google Search Console. Mm. Love it. Until next time, remember to keep learning, keep growing, and of course, keep doing some happy hub spotting.